Hello and welcome to the Freelance Party Broadcast. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya! Today we're going to be discussing how to set and negotiate your day rates. We are joined by Catherine Davis, who is Managing Director of Management Consulting Company Monticle Limited and also the owner at PayRise Accelerator, Catherine I think us Brits find it so awkward to even talk about pay. So how do you break that barrier? (laughs) So I think the thing to remember is that everyone finds it really awkward. There are very few people who feel comfortable talking about money and pay. So I think we just need to acknowledge that we feel awkward, but make sure that we do it anyway. But within self-employment, you have clients rather than bosses. So essentially, do you set your own rates or clients just have to meet them or how does it work around that? (laughs) You have to um, ask your clients to pay you something so that you can buy food to eat and pay (laughs) your mortgage or pay your rent. So there are lots of different ways that you can approach um, payment as a freelancer. First of all, work out what your client actually needs. That's definitely step one. And then you need to work out how you can help them. And that will help you then decide what a sensible um, fee arrangement is going to be. So, for example... If you think your client will need help over a longer period of time, then you might want to negotiate a monthly retainer, for example, where you agree a scope of work to be done each month and then the client pays you for that on a monthly basis. If it's just a one-off piece of work and the client just needs your help for the day, for example, then you'll probably just negotiate a day rate for the day. Um, Or you can also negotiate what we call time and materials, which is where you agree a daily rate or an hourly rate and then you simply um, work out with the client how much um, help they need and then you bill them as and when. And that can be quite good if your client has variable needs and, you know, again, they need help over a longer period of time. So there are lots of different models. There's lots of flexibility. Yeah. And in a way that causes problems for people because there are so many different options, particularly when you're starting it can be quite difficult to work out which option is the best one to go for. So do you think it's easier for freelancers to get a pay rise because they set their own rates and then they just ask their clients to pay it rather than, you know, if I wanted a pay rise as an employee, I'd have to go to my manager and, you know, make my case and probably get told to get out. But, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, if you did my pay rise accelerator course, Jess, you'd be all set then. (laughs) Oh, gosh, sign me up, sign me up. Yes. So there's more flexibility. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity at the beginning when you start working with a client that's really, really important. And Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like when you start a new job, actually. So you have a window then to have a negotiation and you need to make sure you make the most of that opportunity because it is quite difficult once you start to then negotiate a higher rate. So psychologically, people are thinking this person charges a thousand pounds a day or two thousand pounds a day or whatever it happens to be. And then it can be difficult to increase your prices. You can negotiate doing more work for the client Mm -hmm. and so earn more money that way. But in terms of your rate, it can be very difficult. So the question is then where to set your rate. So what you tend to find is you might want to look at what other people charge to get a sense of the market rate for the service that you're offering. Mm. But often there's quite a variation. So some people will charge a few hundred pounds a day, for instance, and some people might charge several thousand. So the question for you is where do you put yourself in that range? A good place to start is to work out how much value you're adding to your client. Right. Yeah. So normally what you're doing is you're helping your client increase revenues some way or you're helping your client save 
time by paying you to do something that they would otherwise be doing themselves so that they can then focus on the thing that they do best. So say it's revenue generation. So say, for example, you're providing strategy advice to a client, which is all about what it needs to do in order to grow its revenues. So a good place to start is to work out how much you actually think you can help the client's revenues grow by. Right. So if you think you can help the client bring in, say, an extra 5,000 or 10,000 pounds a month, then you can work back from there to come up with a sensible rate to charge your client. So the value that you're adding to the client is a really good place to start. Yeah. If you're just starting out at the beginning, it can be a bit tricky to know how much you think you can actually help your client. So then you just need to confidently put forward a number yeah. <laughs> on the basis of a plan and then take it from there. Great. That's really interesting. It is. You, you mentioned uh, the Pay Rise Accelerator course that you run. Could you tell us a bit about that and, you know, what you do for people? Uh, My program is mainly aimed at primarily women because I often find that it's women who find it hardest to negotiate salaries. And it's aimed at women who are employees, although I have also helped women who are freelancers as well. And so I take these women through a program over 90 days and we deal with a number of topics ranging from how to work out the market rate for the role that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then that helps them figure out whether they're being underpaid. And then if they are, I help them with a formula uh, for a conversation where they can confidently ask their manager for a pay rise based on the market rate what they've been contributing to the organisation in the past year and what they will be contributing over the next 12 months and then use that as the basis for an ask. And it's actually, people find it difficult to have the conversation. yeah, definitely. But it's actually really easy to get a pay rise if you ask for it in the right way. Wow. I suppose if you don't ask, you don't get. (laughs) Absolutely. Because if you think about it, your employer, your manager, they're trying to keep their costs low. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the rational thing to do as a business owner if you're running an organisation. But that's not necessarily what you want as an employee. But if you can figure out a way that you can add more value to your organisation, then obviously Mm. you're often in a strong position for asking to be paid a bit more to recognise the value that you're adding to your company. So how did you find yourself in this position? Obviously, it's quite a niche yeah. that you've got here but how yeah. did you find this like how did you find the formula so I um, had a varied career so I started off working in the city for a global law firm mm-hmm. as a corporate lawyer and then like many women when I was getting married and starting a family I decided to take a step back so that I could um, have a better work-life balance yeah so then I moved into the public sector And I worked for government organisations for a number of years. And I was lucky to be promoted and ended up in very senior roles in the public sector. So I saw life in the city, life in the public sector and government. And I noticed some themes that kept coming up. So I noticed Mm. that often the men on my team would say, this is my plan for my career, so I need to be moving forwards, and this is what I would like to be paid, and this is the level I would like to be at. So they were quite open about their career goals. And a lot of the women I worked with just worked really hard and kind of Mm. hoped that people would notice. Yeah, definitely. You know, sometimes that works, but you're really reliant on having a really good boss who's able to spot the potential in you and help you to proceed. 
I also noticed that women coming back to work after maternity leave would often put more emphasis on the ability to work flexibly than on their salary. Mm. So they would negotiate, say, working three days in the office and a day at home. And then they just wouldn't negotiate on salary at all because Mm. they would think that the flexibility was more important than the money. And I also observed others around me talking about men coming into the organisation as new joiners and saying, these men are currently on high salaries, they won't accept low salaries to Mm -hmm. come in, so we need to match their current salary. Mm. Whereas women coming in would often take a pay cut because they were often, I think grateful to be offered the job to be offered the opportunity and they simply wouldn't negotiate so I didn't think that this seemed right (laughs) definitely yeah and I wanted to do something about it and so I started running my program so that I could help women ask for higher salaries or ask for rates that reflected their worth and their contribution. And I really enjoy doing it because it's important work. I think it's amazing. And I I, I think there is a problem that women have in general that we feel a bit awkward we apologize i'm like, oh, really sorry but you owe me this mm. much money or something like that <laughs> yeah. whereas men are just like you owe me this money pay me this money yeah and you know that's not necessarily our fault because we're kind of taught to be that way yeah it sounds amazing i think our bosses will be listening to this it's true i think you know girls are often taught that it's rude to talk about themselves too much yeah and discouraged from asking for what they want. So, you know, if you think even in this day and age, it's a bit unusual if we ask a man to marry us. Like we have yeah. to wait to be yeah. asked. Have to wait for a leap year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to wait to be asked. And so that works its way into our subconscious in lots of different ways. Yeah. yeah. And so often we have to really push ourselves out of our comfort zones to ask for what we want. Mm. And we should be able to, shouldn't we? I mean, you know, I think with all jobs, when you apply for a job, they don't actually tell you a lot of the time what the salary is. Yeah. And I think then you get into this mindset of, well, they tell me what my salary is. There isn't a negotiation there. You don't have a chance to even think about what is somebody else being given with this salary at the moment? And you don't have the chance to even weigh up if yes. it's worth it or not, you just jump yeah. and think, okay, well, it must be, it must that's, be for everyone. Yeah. That's right. And if you leave it too late, it's then in, in the sort of um, interview process, yeah. it then becomes very difficult to negotiate. So if they've mm. made you the offer and you have your heart set on doing that job, mm. it can be then very difficult to say, um, actually, I don't want to do the job unless you pay me this much. Yeah. yeah. Because you're kind of quite invested in it emotionally at that stage. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing is, and this applies equally to freelancing, I think, often um, we men, especially men we're in relationships with, feel a responsibility to provide for their partners and their families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not just negotiating a salary or a rate for themselves. They're negotiating a rate for family a family yeah Yeah. so they feel responsibility to make sure that their family is taken care of Mm. but I think that even now even today a lot of women see working as an optional choice like a bonus on top of their partner's salary yeah so they they see it as bringing in money just for themselves often and then I think that makes it more difficult to ask for a larger sum because it's just for they they see it as just for them even though often it's not but again just these subtle sort of subconscious things make it quite difficult old-fashioned way of thinking that I suppose because back in the day 
that's what that's women thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's really great. I think it's really empowering what you're doing because I know myself is I have no confidence when it comes to asking for a pay rise. I think I asked for a pay rise once. Yeah. And then I didn't get it and I was like, oh, okay. Never mind. So <laughs> yeah. I'll work for free. <laughs> if someone says no, I think that's a difficult thing. We've spoken a lot about employment and obviously our listeners are freelancers. Yeah. So I've wondered, you know, we speak a lot about the gender pay gap in employment yeah. and we know that there is a problem. And I think it's sometime in November that women essentially stop being paid for the year because of this gender pay gap. Yeah. So I wondered, is there a gender pay gap within self-employment when, you know, you set your own rates? Yeah. Is that still a problem? Yes. The depressing um, situation seems to be that there's actually a bigger gender pay gap for freelancers than there is for employed women. So the OECD has done some really interesting work looking at pay gaps across the um, freelancers in different countries, different OECD member countries. And apart from Estonia, I'm not quite (laughs) sure why Estonia is so enlightened. In most countries, there's a bigger gender pay gap. There is a gender pay gap, first of all, for freelancers. It's actually bigger than the gender pay gap for um, employees. So in the UK, for example, across all sectors, and very the very kind of general figure is a, there's a pay gap of around 10% for employees. And it's around 25% for freelancers. That's kind of depressing in a way. Very, yeah. <laughs> Because when you're freelancing, you're more in control of your own destiny, in theory, rather than reliant on your employer. And so I think it's really interesting to consider why that's the case. That is so, because we see freelancing as this option for people who want to, you know, go their own way, set their own path. Mm. And you would think, therefore, that the gender pay gap wouldn't be anywhere near as big a problem because you set your own rate. So that's really interesting and I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's so much that can be done about that, but it sounds like your pay rise accelerator courses <laughs> yeah. are the yeah. place to start because, you yeah. know, we should all, you know, freelancer, employee, whatever, mm. we should all be able yeah. to ask for more money if we if we deserve it. Yeah. Maybe so, just add a quarter more when you start out. <laughs> add yeah. more, yeah. <laughs> so I think the question does come down to um, confidence in yourself mm. and confidence about the value that you add to your clients that is really and your own sense of self-worth I think that's really what it's all about so for example how you describe yourself as a freelancer can be an issue in terms of setting rates someone was telling me recently that they described themselves as a designer right and so they negotiate rates as a designer Mm. and then someone else describes themselves as a creative director and so you think oh a creative director gosh that sounds (laughs) quite fancy (laughs) (laughs) and so how you see yourself how you describe yourself starts um a whole conversation around the value that you're contributing Mm. and I think in general and again you know these generalizations are are sometimes unhelpful but it's it's useful just to think about them men are better at being confident and maybe just blagging it a little bit about (laughs) saying like I'm amazing this is what I can do (laughs) whereas women are you know and we see this in job applications where women won't apply unless they satisfy all the criteria whereas men will just apply and you know wing it for the ones that they don't satisfy Yeah. yeah So often women feel, well, I don't know if I've done enough, I'm not experienced enough, I'm not really good enough to describe myself in this way. And that then impacts on on the rates that they Mm. they ask for. And so, you know, in terms of finding a way through, 
you can't really discuss with your competitors what prices they're charging because then you can end up inadvertently agreeing between yourselves what yeah. you're going to charge your mm. your clients. Then you're in a sort of cartel situation. So you don't <laughs> want to be doing that because that's against the law. But I think it can be interesting to figure out what the market rate is from publicly available information. Right. And then work out where you put yourself on that sort of range. And it's quite a personal thing. So let's just say you're you're um, bidding for work or asking for work on the basis of a day rate. You know, I've seen some rate cards where the the day rate really does vary from a few hundred pounds to six or seven thousand right. pounds a day. So it's a huge there's a huge range probably. And then the question is, where do you pitch yourself? So going back and asking yourself what value you're adding to the client is very important. But also, it's a very personal thing how much you charge your client yeah. mm. for a day's work. And you have to choose a number that resonates with you. So if it's too high a number, you can't have a sensible conversation. So if you feel yeah. like a good day rate is a thousand pounds, if you're trying to negotiate £5,000, you just won't be able to yeah. do it because it'll make you feel too awkward. Yeah. But if you feel that £1,000 is something you feel very comfortable with, then you could try negotiating, say, 1200 or even 1500 right. mm. just to push yourself slightly out of your comfort zone. You know, And if your client says yes really quickly, then that's maybe a sign that for the next time you could ask for a little 5, bit 000. more with the, ne- <laughs> with the next client. Yeah, that's absolutely. really interesting. So... You say about like setting your rates and looking on like publicly yeah. available things. Yeah. But say if you're a uni student and realistically you don't really have that much experience, but you've got a degree behind you. Yeah. And the publicly available knowledge that's out there is usually for people that are already in the field. Well, mm. it is people that are already in the field. Yeah. yeah. So where do the uni students go to kind of set their rates? Because it's quite hard for them when they're starting out to just pluck a number from thin air. Yeah. Because these people have already been in the field and they're already out there doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, some places that you can look would be um, freelancing platforms. Mm. So, you know, these platforms where clients advertise projects and then people bid for the project. So often those projects will have a day rate or a project fee on the platform. It Mm. tends to be on the lower side, actually, because often those the clients working through those platforms are looking for quite competitive offers. So that could be a good place to start. But really, I think being a good freelancer is about having good relationships with your clients. So if you're a university student, um, so I'm assuming you're a graduate or, you know, you've finished your studies. Yeah. The best thing to do is to work out who in your network you could actually help. So who do you already know who you would be able to help and how could you help them? So first of all, work out what it is you could actually offer somebody. So is it something creative, you know, marketing, design? Is it writing something for them? Is it doing something office-y for them? Like what is your actual offer? Mm. And then have conversations with people. So to say, you know, this, this is what I'd like to do. Do you know anyone who'd be looking for this sort of help? And have an informal conversation where you're not really selling a service for a particular price at this point. You're just doing a bit of market research. Mm. And so you have conversations with people and they might ask you to help them. Or if they don't need that kind of help, they might refer you to someone in their network who does need help. Yeah. Say, for example, it was something like, I don't know, like social media management or something like that. Mm -hmm. You then get referred to someone and you have a conversation and you say, you know, what do you want to use social media for? You know, is it to launch a new product? Is it to increase your reach? What is it you're trying to do? So have a conversation with a client to really try and understand what their business strategy is and what their particular problems are that you might be able to help them with. And then you can work out. You can just ask them, do you have a budget to spend on this? 
or say, if you don't do this, how much is it going to cost your business not to do it? Yeah. So just have those conversations rather than try to coldly kind of get in touch with someone and say, for this amount of money, I can help you with social media right. management because that's yeah. less likely to be successful. You'd just ignore it, wouldn't you, if someone sent you um, an email or yeah. a LinkedIn connection request and just said, I can offer you this for this much money. You just wouldn't be interested, no. would you? Mm. No, unless you were just happened to be looking for that thing yeah. on that day <laughs> and then Very just magically an email popped into your inbox. But, you know, that's kind of, that's quite a random strategy. Yes. Yes. And so it might, not always, it might not be successful, exactly. So I think yeah. that the best advice really is to have conversations with people. And you could also ask them, you know, have you ever paid for this sort of service before? What kind of ballpark figure did you spend on it? And you don't need to ask people to tell you exactly what it was, yeah. but it will give you a sense of, for instance, they might say, yes, we spent a few thousand pounds a month plus yes. ad spend or whatever it happens to be. And then you start to know. And then that means that even if you don't offer services to that person, the next time you have the conversation, you've got more intel than you had yeah. before. Mm. So you're not sort of shooting in the dark. You know, more or less, what someone will pay for something and that can help form your conversation that's mm. so interesting um next we have some questions that have been sent in from freelancers about this topic about yeah. setting your rates and negotiating them yeah so firstly uh, from greg who's an it technician he asks and i think you touched on this a little bit but maybe going into a bit more detail yeah. should i be analyzing my competitors in order to undercut them mm. so that's a good question and i think there the thing to think about is why would a client choose you over someone else? Is it just because of price? Do you want to be the bargain basement cheap offer? Mm. If you do, then... I like that bargain basement. <laughs> <laughs> then you could adopt that strategy of undercutting people. So say, for example, in something like maybe website designs, quite a busy marketplace at right. the moment. And so if there was a standard price for doing a website, like say a couple of thousand pounds, if you wanted to come in under that, then you could potentially um, get some work that way. But I think, the you know, if you, if you end up always competing on price, the, someone will then undercut you and then do you undercut them? And then you end up in a kind of race to the bottom. Yeah. And then as a freelancer, you end up doing a lot of work for not very much money. The other thing that I would encourage people to think about is how much money they actually need to live the life they want, right? Yeah. <laughs> so is it £3,000 a month in, in your hand? Is it £5,000 a month in your hand? You know, how much money do you need to cover your expenses, your living expenses, and to have a decent quality of life? And then to use that to work out your prices. So if you're looking at everyone else and undercutting, undercutting, there is a risk that you end up having to do too much work for too little. Right. So so for me personally, I always think that it's better to look at the value that you're offering your client. And again, as the website example, that's, you know, the shop window to the services that you're offering or the products that you're selling. And so if you can show that you did a really great website for someone and it resulted in increased sales of the thing that they're selling, you know, I would pay somebody more for that rather than going for the cheapest option just because it was the cheapest option. Yeah. And then we have another question. And this one I actually found really interesting. So it was a lady called Kirsty, who's a florist in Croydon. And it goes back to uh, like starting out and setting your rates. But I think with her, she was self-taught and she said, is it right to do free work to build up a portfolio or how do you work around that? Oh, that's a great question, isn't it? How interesting for a florist as well to be mm. thinking of doing free <laughs> <Yeah>. work. <laughs> um, what I would say there is 
to have a strategy, to have thought about it. Mm. So, for example, I do free work and I do paid work. The free work that I do, I've thought about. So I don't just agree to do things for free Mm. just for the sake of it. So I do free work where it will raise my profile. So, for example, recently I I was on um, a BBC interview, which was fun to do. And then it was really good because then people heard about me if they didn't know me before. And it added some credibility to my profile Mm, because I'd been on the BBC. So that was for free and that was a good thing to do. Yeah. I also do some, um, I'm on a couple of boards of charities. I really believe in what the charities are doing and I I like to be involved with them. And again, that's for free. Mm. So I've chosen that I'm going to spend a bit of time for free helping these charities because that's important. Yeah. Occasionally, I do free sessions for friends or contacts where they've got themselves into a bit of a pickle and they really need help because Mm. we all need help sometimes. And so it's nice to just contribute something to the universe. And then karmically, it probably comes comes back to you. Exactly. But as to actually offering the basic product for free, Mm. I think it can be quite a risky strategy because it enables you to avoid having that conversation about price. And it is tempting, and I did do it myself when I first started out. But it just moves that difficult conversation down the road. If you really offer something to people that they want, if you offer beautiful flowers, why would people not pay for them? And how much feedback do you need? How many testimonials do you need to really get people to buy your beautiful products? Yeah. Mm. So sometimes you think, well... If I do it for free and I've got lots of, you know, let's take the flower example, I've got lots of beautiful arrangements and bouquets on my website, then mm. people will see that this is what I do and they'll they'll want to buy from me. Are they buying f- from you because they've seen that other people have bought from you? Or is it or they buy from you just because they like what you're doing? They're beautiful flowers. Yeah, yeah. maybe. So for Kirsty, Kirstie, was it Kirsty? Yeah. I would say just have the confidence in your beautiful arrangements to charge for them. Mm. And you don't have to charge a high price at the beginning if you feel better charging less, but try and cover your costs, I would say. Definitely. Great. So it all goes back to the confidence and just kind of pushing yourself to set a rate in the beginning because you need to be confident in your brand. You need to be yeah. confident in yourself Yeah, to even I, start out in freelance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it depends a little bit about whether it's your main job or a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So if it's a side hustle that you're doing along something else, then you've got a bit more flexibility in terms of how much you charge and yeah. when you start charging. Of course. But if it's your main job, obviously, you need to earn money so that you can live your life. So, you know, yeah. you've got less flexibility there. But in general, I think there's something it's tempting to offer your goods or services for free but I would warn against it because it makes you value it less Mm. and also when people get something for free they tend to value it less as well okay and finally um from Jen who's a graphic designer in Stratford she asks I've been a freelancer for seven years now and I'm still charging the same rates as when I started out with some of the same clients. I'm nervous about asking for more money. How should I start that conversation? Oh, Jan, (laughs) got to put your prices up. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely time to put your prices up. I mean, at the beginning, I said that it is quite difficult when you negotiate a rate with a client to then Mm. put it up. But I had in mind a short time frame of like maybe in the same year. Not seven years. Not like seven years later. With the same clients as well. Yeah. So Jen's costs must have increased. Yeah. 
Um, most people understand that conversation when you say, look, my costs have increased, so I need to increase my prices. But also by now, she should have a really good track record of having done lots of things to help her clients, hopefully. Yeah. So she would be able to point to, I designed this thing and it worked really well. We got really good feedback and, you know, it's been working really well. I really enjoy working for you. So I need to put my prices up and definitely just ask and I bet they'll say yes. If they say no, there's a question about what she would do about that. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, no, if, if the client says, no, I don't want to pay anymore then you need to ask yourself if they are the right client so maybe mm. it's time to find some new clients yeah and a little bit like when you move from one job to a new job that's an opportunity to negotiate a bigger salary than if you're staying where you mm. are negotiating a pay rise yeah taking on new clients is a fantastic opportunity to negotiate a higher rate than you normally charge because all bets are off. It's the beginning of a new relationship. You can have a fresh conversation. Mm. So yes, after seven years, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely time to definitely start charging time. more. Yes, <laughs> do I think, it. I think that's really important though, what you said there, like what you touched on is the fact that when you're freelance, you choose your clients. Yeah. It's not like when you go for a job interview and it's kind of like, I need this money, I need to do this. Yeah. You get to choose who you work for. So yeah. you forge those relationships. Yes. And that's the best part about being freelance is having that flexibility both yeah. in your work yeah in your pay yeah and also who you work with yeah it's Definitely. a two-way relationship isn't it and I think mm. we forget that when we talk about pay yeah is you are doing work they need to pay you what your work is worth and you should have a say in how much your work is worth definitely absolutely I mean sometimes freelancers go through phases where they just need the work because they need to bring in money yeah of mm. course but I think you need to think of that as exceptional times and so you need to be in the mindset of exactly as you say, I choose, I decide, I'm in control of this. And that's why freelancing is very popular. You know, there was a recent um, survey by Ipsy, yes. which showed that something there'd been something like a 63% increase in the number of women who had started freelancing in, yeah. in mm -hmm. the last few years, which is incredible. And I think one of the reasons it is so popular is because of that flexibility, is because you can be in control of the work you do and when you do it. You know, I do think that a lot of people waste so much time. <laughs> they work in offices. <laughs> mm. There are meetings on a Monday. There are meetings, that, you know, there's so many meetings, which is sort of part of getting an office to kind of function, I suppose. Mm. But I think as a freelancer, there's a lot of wasted time that you have as an employee that, you, you know, you don't need to have. Mm. So you can create a working path that works for you, your family, um, and whatever needs that you have. And having the freedom to pick and choose when you actually want to be in a meeting. Because you do find, I, I mean, I love meetings, they're great. <laughs> but um, sometimes there's meetings that there's so many people in the room that half of the meeting is actually irrelevant to you. Totally, yeah. So being freelance, you're able to pick and choose the conversations, yeah. pick and choose the meetings. And again, it just goes to that you're in control. Time is money when you're a freelancer. Totally. totally. It's like, do we need to know what Brian's plan is for yeah, the coming exactly. week? No, we do not. Well done, Brian, though. Yeah. Great, Smashing it, Brian. Great really. contribution. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's really good. I really enjoyed that. And um, just such hearing. an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had a takeaway for people listening, I would challenge them to ask for a little bit more than they would normally ask for the next time they're in a price negotiation with a client and then see what happens. Because you can and always feedback back then, yeah, can't you? exactly. And I bet that most clients will say yes. That's, wow. that's brilliant. <laughs> well, I think I'm ready to ask for a pay rise now. Do you reckon we should try? <laughs> yeah. My manager's we'll listening. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> 
sadly we've got to come to an end with that but thank you so much for coming onto the show and it's been really insightful for both myself as an employee but hopefully for our listeners who are going to be freelancers yeah definitely so if you liked today's episodes be sure to listen to freelance party broadcast on apple Podcasts, spotify and most other podcast platforms like share and subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review this is the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers that's launching soon. Keep an eye on freelancecorner.co.uk so you are the first to know when we launch. And for more information about Catherine and her courses, check out the show notes below for her website. 